Thank you for listening to the Voices of UMass Chan, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Chan Medical School. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Chan. I'm your host, Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications. Today, we're talking with two UMass Chan researchers who are working to understand how the gut microbiome plays into our overall health. Anna Maldonado-Contreras is an Assistant Professor of Microbiology and Physiological Systems, and Heidi Leftwich is an Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So let's start with the microbiome. There seems to be, with every passing year, a greater understanding of just how important those bacteria that are in our gut really are and how much of an impact they have on all aspects of human health. So Dr. Maldonado-Contreras, why don't we start with you? How do those bacteria in our gut help us? Yeah, thank you. You're absolutely right. It's like with the years passing, we learn more and more about how that community of bacteria that not only live it on God, but also our skin, uh, it, it just populate every surface of our body. We uh, focus mostly, or in, in research, mostly has been studied the gut microbiota, the ones that reside in our uh, intestine, and how they uh, provide signals for the immune system uh, to trigger an inflammatory response, or, to, or, or, or on the contrary, to, you know, signaling to lower inflammation and, and keep everything healthy otherwise. So yeah, we're learning not just in adults, but how is that important for children and how is that important for pregnant women that are giving birth to babies, then they will develop their own microbiota and and, and how that initial microbiota in babies uh, set them for a good immune system during their lifetime. We're going to talk more about the component of pregnant women and babies. So are you saying that babies in utero are developing their own microbiome? Well, that's that's a great question. And, <laughs> and I think we are we're still trying to understand, you know, where's the first inoculum. Mm -hmm. Thus far, it seems to be at the birth, during during birth. Uh, however, there are studies that have shown that even when the babies are not in contact with the microbiota per se, what the moms have in their gut, but the composition of their gut bacteria does regulate uh, the development of immune system in, in the babies. So even though it's not a direct contact per se, there is some importance even before you being born of the composition of that microbiota in, in, the, in the parent that is pregnant. Wow. So let's just take a step back for a second. So your lab is focusing on investigating how the food and the drinks that we consume can manipulate the health of that microbiome in our gut and really affect our, like cause a, our immune system to be healthier. So how did you become interested in this? Yeah, and because of that, so under, we're understanding how these bacteria are so essential and fundamental for our well-being. So now a lot of research is focused on how can we manipulate them? How can we help a person because you know you that's that's the good the beauty about this that you can manipulate it we can change the gut bacteria and some of them the diseases that for example uh, are very prevalent and endemic in our country are have a genetic component that we cannot change we cannot play with genetics at least just yet 
but there is the second we say we, we call it the, like the second trigger the second signal that also make these people sick and that's the microbiota so mm. a lot of research has been focusing in first on the understanding the basis of as we talked before you know which bacteria does what which bacteria signals what to the host and then in my lab also we are trying to understand ways to manipulate it and through something that as I always say, like testing my grandmother's hypothesis, diet can change your health. So which is the components of the diet that can affect these bacteria that eat that food to, to then pro promote health? So yes, so we're going from, you know, basic understanding of the biology to actually then can, can, how can then one manipulate that when we know that, you know, bacteriodetes, which is a kind of bacteria, is the one that uh, promotes health. Is it carrots that help them? Is it bananas that help them to, to flourish in our stomach? So that's, those are the connections we're doing in our lab. And was that sincere? Was it your, really your grandmother's hypothesis? Or are you just saying sort of like what, you know, that knowledge that we all have? Well, I did grow up with that. Every time I have a cold, every time I something ache, there was a plant that will help me. There was <laughs> some food that they will make me feel better. And I, I don't know how much of that I was placebo, but but in my family, that's a very a strong uh, belief. Very funny. So Dr. Leftwich, let's turn to you. So as an OBGYN, it wouldn't necessarily be obvious to a lot of people that you would be studying the microbiome. So I want to just ask you about that. And, and your research is so interesting. You have in endeavored on several studies that are looking at how SARS-CoV-2 infection affects people who are pregnant and breastfeeding as well as their newborn babies. So can you talk a little bit about that? How did the idea come about? What are you trying to learn? Yeah, so thank you for that question. You know, when the global pandemic hit and SARS-CoV-2 became something that we realized we would have to deal with, um, and that came as a progression as it, as it kind of moved through the country, I'm a high-risk OB doctor, and so it really hit kind of my subspecialty very high. And so ultimately, we started to prepare for this in the hospital. We started making backup plans. And as a clinician, this was part of what I was doing. And then additionally, as a researcher, I started talking about what we would, what we know and what we didn't know. And at the time, it's hard to think back so far. Honestly, we've all been through so much. But at the time, there were case reports and case series. These are, these are one or two cases these are seven cases in a row in other countries with different resources. This is this is what we had to take care of people. I mean, I, I've been practicing, I've been at UMass Chan almost nine years. There, there isn't something that we know so little about in, in at least my practice. And so this was one of those moments that you had to reflect and say, what's out there and what can I do to help? And so as a researcher, I tried to collaborate with others because I was also working clinically quite a bit, as you might imagine. And we started with the thought, was it, was it vertically transmitted? And that was actually a question that we thought about early, meaning that, yeah, meaning that does the mom getting the virus infect the baby? I see. And, and honestly, early, that was probably one of our biggest concerns as a, as a pregnant person you care so much for your baby and you would do anything for your baby. If you were to get sick, you'd say, well, I'm going to get sick. That's fine. How is this going to impact my baby? And so the initial thought was to see whether or not this virus was able to be passed to the baby. That okay. would be the vertical transmission. And, and what did you find? Is that, is that the case? 
So ultimately, our initial kind of thought was to look towards this. But as data was coming out, it seemed that this was not vertically transmitted um, and, and babies didn't ultimately get infected from the parents. And so as we started to set up this research study and this biorepository, which is what it really became, I reached out to different researchers in the UMass Chan system to try to see if anyone else wanted to collaborate as I was getting all of these specimens. Because you figure once you answer one question, there will be an open door to many others. And so my relationship with Dr. Maldonado Contreras actually started then and that early in the midst of the global pandemic, reaching out by an email saying, I'm going to be getting specimens from pregnant women. Would there be additional things that you would look for to help support um, studies in your lab and any hypotheses that you would like to test while yeah. we're doing this anyway? And so she and I collaborated with others in the university, and that has kind of spiraled to our study here that we're discussing and then others that we've we've looked at as well. It's incredible. Like just asking that simple question has now opened the door to like all this potential learning and really advancing everything together. I think that's really cool. So let's talk about that during the pandemic. You started this collaboration. What so you were studying the gut microbiome, that's the Dr. Maldonado Contreras component of it. And uh, you were getting those samples from moms and babies, pregnant women who were infected with COVID-19. How, what did you find? Like, what were you doing with those samples? So I have a collaboration with the Arcaro lab, um, Kathleen, Dr. Kathleen Arcaro, um, and we published on the breast milk and colostrum from some of these pregnant patients. And ultimately, we found that they had antibody and a, a, an immune response in the breast milk that could help um, the babies. Up to 144 days was our highest um, amount of time from infection to testing the sample of the breast milk, which was really reassuring for those that were infected, that recovered, and were hoping to breastfeed. Um, this was a really reassuring and really exciting finding and has been, you know, kind of published and, and others have, have found this as well now. And so it's really important to at least advocate for breastfeeding to give the infant some immunity before they're able to get vaccinated. Great. And Dr. Maldonado Contreras, what was your, what were your questions about the microbiome in, in this patient population? Well, we've been studying uh, the microbiota in pregnant cohorts, mostly with chronic inflammation. And we have data that have shown that mothers with chronic inflammation, such as those with inflammatory bowel disease, have an altered microbiota during pregnancy. And then that, that alteration does pass to the babies, to the offspring. And then the babies have then a very uh, no optimal microbiota, and then they also have markers of inflammation very early on in life. So we're thinking that, you know, this pass on of a suboptimal microbiota in these chronic inflamed moms might lead to babies with inflammation very early on, and that can be a higher risk of developing other diseases later in life. So based on those premises, we were wondering what about a you know very acute infection that causes this torrential inflammation on the on, on the individual what happened 
not so we have this comparison. It happens. We know that it happens with moms that are, are chronically inflamed. Does these alterations will happen when we have an a, such a severe infection uh, that causes such a severe inflammation in the mothers? And that so, would be COVID. You're talking about that will be COVID exactly. Yeah. That will be COVID. And and then you know and we were seeing clinically that mothers, the pregnant women, were hitting you know have more severe symptoms and respiratory symptoms of the disease. We were seeing these mothers really go, getting very critical uh, disease during SARS-CoV-2. So, so these, these moms are getting very affected and the inflammation is very high on these mothers. How that will affect their, their own microbiota and the one that is passed on, on the babies. And then looking, you know, in for future studies, it's like, that's what we're trying to understand. No, what is the long-term effect on the babies? First, the study that uh, we work with Heidi thus far, and we have more plans to continue this work, is just let's, let's understand first, does, does it change? Does it really alter the microbiota? And if it alters, where does it alter it? And then the babies can receive the microbiota of the mother's through vaginal, when they go through the birth canal, birth canal, but also skin, but also mouth, and 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 the gut also it seems to be a big component of the microbiota that the baby receives. So we study all those that hasn't been studied in pregnant populations with SARS-CoV-2. And so, what were some of the results? What did you discover? What did you find out? Yeah, well, it was interesting. We found that the gut microbiota, as expected, as we hypothesized definitely changes and is different between mothers with uh, SARS-CoV-2 and we have a healthy control pregnant women that we actually collected pre-pandemic. So we're uh, kind of sure that there, there wasn't, there were no contaminated, they don't have any infection. But also one thing that I think that's one of the, you know, when the clinical mindset come here, because I was like, let's look at all the SARS-CoV-2 uh, at, the, at the time of delivery and Heidi's like, it will be interesting to look at uh, per trimester infection, because she was having moms that have COVID at the first trimester. She was having moms that have second trimester and, you know, the symptoms were different. The infection subside by the second trimester if it wasn't the first trimester. Is, is there a long lasting effect of this SARS-CoV-2 infection on those mothers in, in terms of the microbiota? And we saw that and that actually moms at the, that were infected in the first trimester are the ones that have the more alterations in the gut and the gut bacteria in the vaginal bacteria compared to uh, to those that have in the in the third trimester again this is characterization were uh, one of the outcomes that we what we uh, found on the babies then is that they have an alter micro oral microbiota uh, and they have a reduction of bacteria that are fundamental for microbiota health in the oral cavity and so we're, you know, down the line. So that's, this is our future study. What does that mean for the baby? What does yeah. that mean long-term, you know? So when you're pregnant and you're getting SARS, it's reducing the number of healthy bacteria in your reducing, mouth. Reducing, yeah, yeah, in the, in, in the baby. So it changes, different bacteria change in the mom, vaginal, in the vaginal cavity, in the gut, and in the oral. And then what the baby receives is different mainly in the oral cavity. The babies born to mothers with SARS-CoV-2 have lower of healthy bacteria in their mouth than the, than the healthy controls. Again, this is characterization and what does it mean long-term is what we're trying to study next. Uh, but there are interesting findings. And, and I think when we 
Heidi and I talk about this is like also clinical implications. You know, we think it's like first trimester, oh, the infection passed. There is no problem. Let's go on. And then, you know, we're seeing that even first trimester infections have a huge impact on the microbiota of the mom that get passed on on the baby. So Dr. Leftwich, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. So you're, 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 you're making these, you know, research-based findings, yet you're taking care of real people who are pregnant. So how are you integrating that into what you're, how you're advising pregnant people? Does it have a clinical significance, I guess, at this point? So I, I think at this point, it was interesting to, again, as Anna alluded to, it was interesting to find that the different trimesters had different implications in the gut. As a clinician, that seems to make sense to me. And we had talked it through a bunch that kind of an earlier hit, honestly, to the immune system or really even um, some of my other work on the cord blood and placenta. So potential to have other implications of an early infection might have more downstream consequences to a pregnancy. Clinically, we were seeing kind of late second trimester and early third trimester were the the patients that were getting very ill in especially in the first wave of the pandemic um, those were the cases that went to the ICU who required substantial early deliveries um, who were getting very sick as we heard in the news but early infection tended to be well tolerated at least from the standpoint of the pregnant patient that gave people this, a little bit of a, it doesn't matter if I get this infection kind of feeling. And as the vaccine has rolled out, it's certainly, you know, not thought of as a, as a concern as much in the beginning of pregnancy as in the later. And I think I have stepped back on some of my counseling on making sure that that vaccine promotion is throughout the pregnancy and not just kind of later in that I think the early infection could have other implications to the pregnancy this is early work. It's certainly not, you know, something that we're we're making large conclusions on, but I think that this data supports the fact that something happens in an early infection that does alter um, what's going on with the pregnant patient. So I think it's very interesting clinically. It's something that I've, I've been interested in and something that we're continuing to explore. And so um, what is next? What are the questions now in terms of your research that you're trying to get answers to, to better inform what you're telling you know, patients? So I think in terms of the SARS-CoV-2, I think we have kind of explored this and we are looking to go towards other disease processes. She and I are collaborating on some work on preeclampsia, which is some of my early research interests. And that is a, a high blood pressure disease in pregnancy that's been um, something that's really stumped and, and been difficult for physicians for a long period of time as we only really have delivery as a therapeutic or, or treatment option here. And when that happens very early in pregnancy, that has huge implications to yeah. the baby, a premature birth. And, and again, it really contributes to maternal mortality and morbidity. And so that's something that we're looking at exploring as well in terms of inflammation and microbiota changes. And and we're also trying to uh, get some follow-ups with the SARS-CoV-2 too, you know, and, and everything, it depends on funding and, and availability. So, and that's why we have stopped, but we're, we're securing some and trying to get, you know, can, we can call back the babies that in, that were included in our, in our study and then test, you know, inflammatory markers 
and see there's if there is any difference. You know, what what is the clinical implications on of it? And our hypothesis is immune related, that it should be an, an immune alteration, perhaps. And, and we don't want to scare moms with COVID that had COVID. You know, this is again early and we're trying to understand that. And you're not alone, you know, I, your kids won't be, you know, fatally ill or anything. Mm-hmm. We just might need to, you know, support the kids better if that if, if our hypothesis is true to, to uh, prevent like a more disbalanced immune response on, uh, on kids that were born at that time. We can go further down the lines and, and you know, like in, in, in my case, I'm more interested on, on the basic size of it and who interacts with who and who talks to that and what are the signals, et cetera. So uh, hopefully, you know, of course, coming from humans to to models. So with the help of Dr. Lev, which uh, consent the patients and, and, and have that contact with the patient and have the samples, but then come to the, the mice experiment, to the interactions on the and the test tube. And then start this, uh, elucidating those interactions and how that really affects those this lowering in the abundance of beneficial bacteria in the mouth of babies born to mothers with SARS-CoV-2 does have an impact in immune response. And, and that will be our something of our next step besides exploring other diseases that also have inflammation as the core. Yes. And so as a clinician, this this type of research is so very exciting to me. It represents kind of a new way to look at some of the either, you know, COVID as a newer infection and then other disease processes. Having this different light to look at it, we can target other therapeutic ways. So like Dr. Maldonado Contreras was talking about, if we know these alterations, the next steps can really be looking at how to target that in some sort of therapeutic probiotic agent, either during a pregnancy or even postpartum connecting with these infants in the follow-up study. So this is all really exciting in in terms of noting a change and maybe being able to alter that change once you have characterized it um, like we're doing here. So it, it, it is really exciting. Well, thank you so much for the work you're doing, not just on behalf of, you know, people who are pregnant, but on behalf of Understanding how the microbiome in all of us is working, you know, for or sometimes against maybe our best health. So thank you very much. Dr. Anna Maldonado Contreras and Dr. Heidi Leftwich, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you very much. If you like the Voices of UMass Chan podcast, subscribe and like our episodes. And if you have an idea for an episode, email us at umasschancommunications at umassmed.edu. We'll see you next time. Follow us at UMass Chan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. On YouTube, find us at UMass Chan Medical School. 